our next guest is in the embodiment of that. Yes, Rand, I am flattering you. Uh, we are. We just finished up with Dr. Don Gil Hefner, uh, one of the radical fairies, along with Harry Hay and Morris Kett, starting all this uh, mess back way back in the 50s and 60s. And now we're going to move forward to midlife. Rand, that would be you. We are joined by telephone up in Sacramento, California, by uh, Mr. Rand Martin. Rand, are you there with us? I am here, John. How are you? Good. I got you to giggle. I love when I make you giggle. That's awesome. <laughs> You've been making me laugh for years, John. I know. Well, I think we met in 1987 when the Life AIDS Lobby was getting started. And I told our listeners earlier before you joined us that you were a lobbyist for the uh, disability community, weren't you, initially? I lobbied for the association for what was then known as the Association for Retarded Citizens. Okay. Was on the ground in Sacramento on their behalf um, when life was formed. And it came out of the Lyndon LaRouche Initiative. Uh, for people who don't know, back in 1986, political extremist Lyndon LaRouche had a proposition, Prop 64, on the California ballot that would have quarantined HIV-positive people away from community and society. And I think the Life AIDS Lobby was born shortly thereafter. Correct, Rand? Well, the, the decision was made in, as people were pulling together to fight the initiative, that uh, once the initiative was defeated, um, the issues were still going to go on. There still needed to be a presence, especially in state capital. And out of that, life was born in June of 1986. June 1st was the day we opened our doors. Now, this was 30 years ago. So thirty. think back, Rand, to the, the younger version of you 30 years ago. You were uh, a young gay man, and I know you were very active in community theater. I, I remember even seeing you perform back then. And, uh, and suddenly you're handed uh, the worst epidemic to hit uh, the country ever and said, here, go write some laws that we need. What was, what was that like for you? I mean, were you out at the time? Oh, very, very out. Had been out for years, so it was, that was never an issue. It was certainly out around the Capitol. People knew that I was a, a gay man in, involved in legislative uh, legislative politics. Um, also involved in a lot of the local Sacramento um, gay and lesbian politics. Um, but I'll tell you, in response to your question, uh, it was a pretty heady experience. It was not for for a, for a young lobbyist, especially somebody who had not been on the ground for all that many years, um, to suddenly be thrust into the spotlight of um, one of the biggest policy issues uh, facing the California legislature uh, was pretty remarkable. Um, and uh, you know, my personal reaction to, to it all was was very positive um, from from a lobbying standpoint because it positioned me to be able to uh, to work more successfully in the in the subsequent years but yeah you um, were it, in your it, late 20s early 30s right around then weren't you Oh, don't date me John <laughs> I'm not um, no, nobody calculate his age no. now nobody do the figuring no. out but, I was in my early, I don't mind admitting, I was in my early 30s. So you're in your early 30s, and you're kind of a uh, young buck around Sacramento, and you're given this policy issue that involves death and dying, creating regulations around hospice, dealing with the radical fundamentalist right uh, from the religious communities, Democrats who were either brave or cowardly, Republicans who were either brave or cowardly. And I, I tell people, back then, we actually had moderate Republicans that would, would help on HIV and AIDS. Yeah, I, I think back to uh, to Dr. Uh, William Falante, who was a 
member of the assembly from Northern California um, who very early on got it relative to the appropriate policy issues um, around HIV and AIDS um, and was very helpful, um, especially in a Republican caucus in in the Senate and the assembly um, who were mostly people who subscribed to some of the theories that were behind the LaRouche initiative. Wouldn't mind if it just all went away, didn't want to talk about sex, um, really didn't want to talk about uh, about gay men and what gay men might do together. Um, and so they either hid from it or they adopted the LaRouche, Bill Dannemeyer approach to things and were very aggressive against the gay community in those, in those early years. So it was... It was very healthy to have people like Dr. Falanti um, and a handful of other uh, moderate Republicans um, stepping into the fray and and helping lead the charge. Now back I then, think it was, th- there were yeah, no out, there were no out LGBT legislators, right? So you became the face of LGBT people in the Capitol. Yeah, absolutely, no question about it. There were a handful of openly gay um, staff members. Um, uh, Stan Haddon, who worked for Senator Roberti, the pro tem at the time, was the most prominent. Um, but uh, they they operated as staff, so they did not have much carte blanche to to do what they wanted to do. Um, it was really really fell to me and to the members of the Life Lobby um, to present the unvarnished truth about the HIV epidemic and and what the appropriate solutions were, and and to get people to talk honestly about it. And, and of course, 10 years earlier, homosexuality was criminalized in the state of California. So, I mean, I think I, I remember because I was there with you that it was pretty common for people to express that gay, gay men and lesbians were pedophiles, predators, uh, e- evil, uh, something to be disposed of. I mean, it was not a, always a very friendly reception for us. Well, and when you think about some of the folks on the Republican side, especially, but there were a few Democrats who did this too. Uh, your your point is is exactly right. They they didn't understand gay gay and lesbian people. Um, they had believed the uh, the narrative about how evil we could be, and that we were just out there for our, our own pleasure, just uh, regardless of what that might do to society as a whole. And now they were laying on top of all that the the health consequences of gay uh, being gay um, and of course there were people like Senator John Doolittle also from Northern California um, who were espousing that we were just contributing to uh, uh, the public health crisis spreading it around the uh, around the community at large and not just uh, not just people who are gay um, and and cause, causing this epidemic to be worse than it was which is really a, a tragic perspective um, that too many people in the legislature um, embraced. Uh, but at the same time, we have to acknowledge that the, that the Democrats, um, especially people like Willie Brown and Art Agnos and John Vasconcelos, all uh, members of the Assembly at the time, were real heroes when it came to our community and, and the people um, who were suffering from HIV at the time um, Rand, hold without that, any hold knowledge that. about what was causing it and how to how to treat it or how to cure it. Rand, hold that thought. we got to go to a quick okay. break. We're going to be right back. We're talking to Rand Martin, former executive director of the Life AIDS Lobby in the 1980s. Thank you for listening to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q. We are talking to Rand Martin, who was the executive director of the Life AIDS Lobby during the 1980s, when a new uh, flourishing and burgeoning LGBT community had just gotten off the ground and were suddenly hit with a major epidemic. Welcome back, Rand, to the show. 
Thank you. So, Rand, back in those Life Aids lobby days, um, I, I was the Southern California co-chair, and I remember at one point we had over 100 organizations that were part of this incredible coalition of LGBT and HIV organizations all across California that would sit at a common table for three days and hash out AIDS policy to create the laws through the California legislature. And it was the most diverse and active and passionate group of people I think I've ever participated with. Uh, you remember those days. You remember Connie Norman, of course. I, I remember a whole lot of people. And I just, I, I remember more than anything watching in, in right there playing out in front of my eyes uh, the political maturation of the gay and lesbian community. Um, we were forced by so many dynamics that we had no control over, um, the biggest one being HIV, um, to, to grow up and, and to engage politically and to engage in a sophisticated way so that we could maximize our, our impact. And we did, and we did it very quickly. Um, I was particularly proud of the the hundred or so people that were on our board of directors I always laugh about how many people we had on our board, but it made for very robust um, debates and I think delivered the kinds of policies that really affected in a positive way the, the progress of the response to the epidemic. You know, I, I tell people back in those days, we didn't have the luxury of uh, dissent, at least not for very long. We could disagree, but then we had to get back to work. And the Life Aids lobby table, we had, uh, at least in my experience, a, a lot of gay men and lesbians working together uh, on, on, a, on a project uh, that would end up sustaining them for lifetimes of activism that would follow that. And uh, everything from the, all the ACT UP chapters in the state of California at the table to all of the Log Cabin Republican Cups sitting at the same table and coming from such disparate parts of the community and being, like you said, forced to work together and grow up because we were handling an epidemic. We didn't have the time to like fight, although we had some pretty heated arguments. I remember that. Well, and I, I, your observation is very astute, and you know I, I really do um, agree with what you're saying. Um, I think the the bottom line is that we would spend two days, as you indicated, um, really, in, in some ways, ripping into each other on policy matters, you know, in a diplomatic way. But we had we came from very firm perspectives on what we sh how we should be responding. But when push came to shove, at the end of those two days, we reached consensus on the way um, to, to respond to the various policy issues. And I think, you know, there's enormous pride um, by all of us uh, involved in life that we were able to, um, to get to that point and, and deliver that message to, uh, uh, to the legislature and to the governor. Unfortunately, the governor was not terribly receptive at the time since it was the very conservative George Duke Majin, but uh, certainly the legislature was very responsive. That's so true. I remember the way we would adjourn those meetings. We would ask everyone around the table to give the name or names of the persons that they had lost since the last time we met three months earlier, and that would often take an hour to an hour and a half just to get all the names out. It was such a moving moment at the way we would end each meeting. And an important reminder to us all that we were there for a singular purpose. You know, one of the, one of the things that we always, always had to resist in the legislature during those first few years was being branded uh, a gay and lesbian organization. We, we were made up certainly of mostly gay and lesbian folks, but 
that was not our purpose, and we were there to deal with with the AIDS epidemic um, and and focus on it exclusively. Um, and I think we were very good at doing that. Now, I, Rand, I know that looking at our stats here at Channel Q, we've got uh, young millennials all over the country listening in right now. And needless to say, when you and I got started on this path of activism, we were probably no much older or younger than they are today. And uh, I mean, what, what would your message be to the young LGBT people out there listening that are thinking, what's, what's my purpose? What am I supposed to do in this life? Where, where am I supposed to be called? Well, I think everybody is called to their to their own mission, um, and some of it has to do with gay and lesbian issues, and some of it is just informed by gay and lesbian issues. Um, but I think the bottom line to to all young people is the political fight is not over. It's really not going to be over in in their lifetimes, let alone yours and mine, um, because there are just too many people, even in the state of California, who still look down on us, who still consider us you know, quote unquote, um, evil. Um, and, and that we need to continue to, uh, in a sophisticated and mature, um, and honorable way, continue to fight, to fight those fights. I, I look at some of the legislation that's pending today, which is so different than it was 20 years ago, but they're still looking at areas where young gay and lesbian and queer and transgender people are, are, um, marginalized, especially young people. Um, and we forget that there are insidious ways of continuing to clamp down on, on young gay and lesbian people. And we, ne- we need to keep fighting back on that so that it does not um, perpetuate. And we also have to keep in mind that there are a lot of health issues that we still, we still face. I mean, one of the biggest frustrations I know in the health, public health community is uh, young gay men, um, especially in these days where um, where you have PrEP and you have PEP and you have treatment for HIV um, that's very effective, um, it takes some of the urgency away from, from being smart about how we live our lives and how we conduct ourselves with other people. Um, and we need to remind not just the young people, but even some of the older people. Yeah, I was going to say, John Duran, guilty. Guilty as charged. I was not going to name names, John. Name names, John. Rand, our time has come to an end. My dear old friend, thank you so much for calling in and joining us and sharing your life experiences. You're you're an inspiration, I think, to many, many of us. And uh, love to your husband, Gene. And I hope you'll come back and visit us again. I'd love to. Thanks so much for having me. It's good to talk to you, John. Good to talk to you. Listening to Sidebar with John Duran here on Channel Q.